0: Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss adding spool to the print nightmare fire, next up, no more Synax, ransomware gang rebrands and releases decryption keys, and of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 94, recorded on August 16th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. I hope my luck never puns out, LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad, PC load letter Anderson. And last but not least, Tim, come on, baby, act my sin, Helming.
1: Oh my God, time travel, PC load letter. Wow!
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> what a terrible memory. <laughs> is is that if that's not the name of a Jonathan Colton song or album,
2: it really should be. Uh, you mean Michael Bolton song? <laughs> uh
0: that guy from Office Space.
1: Yeah, no, I, it yeah, see, it yeah. could be Michael Bolton, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That'd be branching out a little bit for him. Mm-hmm. I, I I would hope that Michael Bolton has a PC low letter song at this point, just to uh, you know acknowledge the great work of Ron Livingston and friends um, in Office Space. <laughs> I lived well, there for the longest time. Uh, if you have never gotten a chance to work in a cube farm, highly don't recommend it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's been
2: a long time for me. But I have yeah. I have lived the cube farm life. I much prefer this industry now that we're like free snacks and you don't have to pay to refill your uh, your cup of like garbage coffee that they're like we provided for you so to throw a quarter in or whatever. Terrible.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the, the it's come a long way. You know, we we at Domain Tools do not have a dog gym mm. uh, in our office. Yeah, there are there are uh, a variety of dog gyms nearby that you can choose from, but we do not have an in-office dog gym at this time. Anyway, it's true. Yeah, yeah which if is good.
0: Extra office space these days. I think that's probably the thing that makes the most sense to invest the resources in. I just hate
2: when so, dogs can you know squat more weight than me. It really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs>
0: What did Mitch Hedberg, Mitch Hedberg say? Dogs are forever in the push-up position, so don't feel too bad about it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a
1: really good point.
0: That's an <laughs> excellent point. Yeah. Whenever I'm running with Peanut, which it's always very clear when I'm running with her based on the looks I get, people look at me like, oh, so cute, which is great. I'm like, yes, focus on the adorable smiling dog, not my red face right now. Um, she... Whenever she's going up hills, we're going up hills together, I think to myself, like, I wonder how much more difficult it is for a dog to ascend than to say, just go on a straight, straight, you know, surface.
1: Well, because if you're a normal human, they're pulling you up there, too, right? So it's not just that they're climbing, it's that they're they're dragging this human behind them, which is great. You know, I like having the power assist. <laughs> going up hills my my dog's pretty small still but as she gets bigger the power assist will be better and better
0: i like to think of it as when i was training way back when as a a soccer player competitively we would do the um, parachute workouts where you have a um a waistband that has a parachute at the end so when you sprint you have resistance i like to think that i'm peanuts parachute And I do a very good job at resisting. <laughs> Stop resisting. Um.
2: Yeah,
1: I thought you meant you played those little games where you're all standing around the perimeter of the parachute and you know raising it up and getting <laughs> under it and stuff. I thought, wow, that's a very, that's a very free to be you and me type of soccer team.
0: That's only but, when you go to. But I guess
1: I was wrong. Uh,
0: that's when they they bring that back. You don't you don't earn that until you're in the college, um, football space. Here I thought
2: they were shoving you out of planes.
0: that's where Chad's head goes
2: you know you can replicate that uh, parachute workout now if you go for a run and take a cat out on a leash because you're just going to be dragging that thing behind you they just lay down (laughs) I've seen it
0: my brother uh, (laughs) does walk his cats I will say so I guess he does that as his exercise Mm.
1: I find there's something really amusing about seeing a cat on a leash (laughs) I don't think they feel the same way about it No.
0: when I lived in eugene i went to school at university of oregon two pet specific memories we're going full
2: biography today let's go
0: full biography let's go uh the first is i was walking behind the library and an older woman was walking a cat and the cat was kind of like walking in my path and she just looked at me and said something like silly cat just never listens to me and i'm like you're you're I don't you're walking a cat like I really don't know what you expect here. That just like really tickled me that she was like judging her own cat for not knowing how to walk on a leash. And the second was I was throwing a football with my friend um, in front of where we were living and I saw a man turn around he was in his car and he was driving and the driver's window was open and there was a parrot on his shoulder. And I was like, that is trust. Just driving with a window open with a parrot on your
1: Well, what what you don't know, Kelsey, is that a couple blocks before when you didn't see it, some random parrot flew into that car. And, <laughs> you know, was it was, shots. it clung clung on there for a little while and then it probably <laughs> went away again. It was just looking for a, a lift. It heard there were some good seeds, you know, a, a few blocks down the road and it, it was too lazy to fly there itself.
0: Well, I was thinking Lyft like Uber and I was like, wow, parrots were really early adopters. Um, for this whole lift idea, they really caught on fast. Wow. Okay. Well, lots to think about here. Cat, dog, parachutes, runaway, liberated parrots. Um, should we should we talk about cybersecurity or?
1: Oh wait, do we have a cybersecurity podcast? Yeah, we we do, right? Is that is that still remember. true? Is, that, is that, I think <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
0: Is that, is that what brought us here? <laughs> I mean, I thought
1: this was the pet show but I you know my schedule's confusing so
0: yeah uh, yeah we normally we normally record that after the right after this so it makes <laughs> sense um <laughs> okay so let's talk about our first article today which is adding spool to the print nightmare fire so a day after dropping its scheduled August patch Tuesday update Microsoft issued a warning about yet another unpatched privilege escalation remote code execution vulnerability in the windows print spooler so this is not the first time we've discussed windows print spoolers vulnerability um can you brush us up on this vuln before we dive into the more recent news? oh
2: can i um be excited (laughs) the so print spooler is a windows service runs by default on all windows machines it's what handles uh the spooling of the printer of course um but Yeah, it does all the uh, (laughs) printer management, you know, sending jobs to the printer, um, you know, paging, that sort of stuff. Uh, And that includes both like peripherals that are attached as well as network printers. So because it does network printing um, as well, it listens and therefore has access to the network stack. Um, So this makes it possible to hit the service remotely, which means that attackers can exploit issues with the service. In the case of Print Nightmare, the original, there was a remote code execution flaw that was found. So attackers could do anything they wanted on the machine that was running the print spooler. A remote code execution, again, is where the attacker can run code that uh, they have created on the machine remotely. So big problem, right? You know, They don't have to be hands on keyboard or anything. They can shoot it over the network. So since printing is required for most businesses, um, it wasn't something Microsoft could just ask people to say disable, even though that was their solution. They did ask people to just disable printing, which I'm fine with. But, um, and then their first set of patches after, um, that recommendation didn't fix the issue. In fact, it revealed new issues. So I think now in total, there's been a total of seven or so major bugs found in the spooler over the last couple of months. And those are the ones we know about that have come out. Um, and people started paying attention. Vulnerability researchers have started paying attention and spending a lot of time poking at the spooler service. So. Probably more bugs to come given how many have surfaced already.
0: It's hard not to imagine a bunch of smush bugs on reams of paper, Mm. to be frank. (laughs) Just there are seven bugs that have it's time to it's time to clean out the principal or people. Like it's it's dirty, it's been sitting there, COVID, you know.
1: I was gonna say, maybe once they fix these vulns, when they finally do, like maybe Printing will just work better in general. Besides,
2: you know, besides not being a an attack vector anymore. I'm going to tell you a secret, Tim. Printing's never going to work better, <laughs> and that hardware is always going to suck. Is <laughs> one of the one of the things that has always been forever and always in IT. Managing printers is the worst thing on the planet. Um, Actually, probably not the worst thing on the planet. I'll take that back. But it certainly was one of my least favorite things. (laughs) when I did small business IT work when I was a kid. Uh, I worked for a company for a couple of years and I was like 16, 17, uh, fixing small business office networks. And the printer was always the reason I had to show up. And it always said something stupid, some error that was entirely like (laughs) non-translatable.
0: Chad's too cool for spool.
2: Yeah. Spools out for summer was uh, really... (sighs) what I used to call it.
0: <laughs> I'm starting to think that you're the one that's finding these vulnerabilities. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I want to save people like me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it turns out if you take a printer and you bash it in a field with a baseball bat, it uh, fixes the <laughs> printer problem by eliminating the printer. Sort of While listening
0: <laughs> to dramatic music, of course. Yeah.
2: But those,
1: but those print jobs just exist out there in some some limbo state forever they never i think print jobs are like energy they can't be destroyed they they can be (laughs) changed but yeah they're never created or destroyed all the print jobs are just they're always there
2: (laughs) i like that
0: i think this could just turn out into a new form of spirituality
2: yeah what's the magic
0: in the air it's just unfinished print jobs Just, just opportunity waiting
2: My home is haunted by unfinished print jobs. (laughs) It keeps knocking things off the counter.
0: You have to dress up as that for Halloween, an unfinished print job. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, we fast forward to last week and Microsoft released a patch, but there is yet another issue. So what did Microsoft warn users about other than the fact that Print job energy is not created or destroyed, just exists
2: Yeah, forever. So lots of uh, printer ghosts um, is what they, yeah. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> you, you're going to be surprised given all that lead up, but it's another Windows 10 print spooler bug. Um, this one with functional exploit code in the wild, really they that's kind of the case for all of these now. But um, uh, this, along with the new bugs being found uh, due to the incomplete updates earlier, um, just adds to this list of uh, trouble.
0: Trouble, trouble, trouble. And when does this vulnerability exist? What happens when it's successfully exploited?
2: So this vulnerability exists now. Um, and so... <laughs> When, <laughs> when this vulnerability is exploited, all of the print job ghosts just get released into the wild. Um, but on top of that, this latest bug is an issue whenever printers get added or deleted. Uh, so what vulnerability researchers do, um, just as a, you know, to give a bigger picture here is they look for places where the code, um, accesses elevated, um, system privileges, right? So in this case, when a user makes a change to the spooler service, uh, or sorry, when a user makes a change to printers, the spooler service runs something as administrator. So if they can then find a bug in that chunk of code, um, uh, they can run their own code with elevated privileges as the spooler service in that part where it calls out to, um, you know, uh, like elevated privileges. Um, And so then they can run their code as administrator, and it's game over for the system, right, at that point. So that's exactly what happened here and why Microsoft has mitigated this by making it so default user-level accounts now cannot add or remove printers anymore. And this is a really interesting precedent since um, Microsoft typically refuses to do these kind of legacy default changes for security. Uh, Security researchers have been asking forever for them to disable XLM macros, which are the macros that were used by, uh, like, 1990s Excel documents and are currently... Being used by you know every single maldoc that comes out there. That's um, uh, anytime that you're pulling apart a malicious document that's um, an XLS document. At this point, it's usually loaded in some way with these XLM macros. Um, so they're willing to make this change by default for the printer thing. And now you know security Twitter is looking at this and going. What about macros? What about this change? Like all these defaults that could be changed for security, but this backwards compatibility is something Microsoft has always been into.
0: Oh, that is fascinating. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see what that means for the future. And I'm just curious too, how is Microsoft made aware of this vulnerability?
2: So there's a researcher named Victor Mata, I think, from Accenture, Accenture um, who must not be having to deal with their latest incident response um, in ransomware outbreak. So uh, good for them. They've worked themselves into a great position. But uh, they found the bugs, reported them last December, which shows you how long the time frame has been on a lot of these print spooler bugs that they've been out in the wild, or at least sort of known about. Um, but they're... You know, Victor obviously is following responsible disclosure here, released them to Microsoft. Um, So I would assume at this point, uh, because more and more people are taking a look at the print spooler service, that Microsoft is probably getting several bugs that they're having to take care of uh, these days. And we'll probably see another patch Tuesday or two uh, with major, major spooler bugs in them, I would guess.
0: I'd like to see... Tom Hanks come back to his role as Patch Adams, but instead of be a doctor, it should be like a cybersecurity slash, I don't know, just tech-related film.
1: Like like an admin of some kind? Yeah. Patch Tuesday Adams.
0: Patch a f- Tuesday a Adams. A movie <laughs> on
2: burnout in the tech industry. Have you never had a weekend? Do you work nights on Tuesdays, always? Have you considered switching to a Linux-based environment?
0: Uh, <laughs> the trailer writes so. yeah
2: <laughs> Tom Hanks. yeah there's there's probably like
1: like in some <laughs> in some areas there's probably like a statistically uh measurable shift in the hours that uh coffee is ordered because wednesday morning you know there there there's people getting in later because they were pulling all-nighters from patch tuesday
0: I'd like to see the, I'd like to see the data on that. I imagine you're right. I think that's a sound theory. (laughs) Well, Chad, my last question for you is leading in not so surprisingly to our hoodie rating here, what is the relative level of concern, especially compared to the initial vulnerability here with, um, the printer spooler, you know, that there have been quite a few, how concerned should folks be and then what steps should be taken?
2: So a full RCE with like proof of concept code in the wild is a big concern. Um and it's only a matter of time before this is integrated into uh, very common tooling that makes it easier and easier for um, you know, what we call the script kitties. Uh, I think there's already one ransomware variant and affiliate program that's been exploiting one of the print nightmare bugs. If I remember right. It's I think I think it's Black Matter, the new one that just um, dropped as kind of the spiritual successor to DarkSide and Revil. Um, so, you know, if they're already hopping on board this whole uh, the iterations of ransomware and uh, exploits being used, and all this is speeding up faster and faster and faster. Um, and that's why people in the security space are so burnt out right now. Um, uh, it's just constantly chasing this next security thing. So I think this is heavy concerning. Um, for me, I, you know, if we go into this hoodie rating, I'd probably put this at a eight out of 10, seven out of 10 and elevate it to a 10 out of 10 the moment it becomes available and, uh, Metasploit or whatever. I haven't taken a look to see if there's any, uh, of the proof of concepts, uh, in. Um, Metasploit modules yet, but I would assume it's it's just around the corner. So, um, and if not, you know, someone's probably got something on GitHub already. So uh, I just haven't gone out and bothered to find it. But the moment that it's in tools like that and widely available um, and easy to use, uh, definite ten out of ten, unless um, people are as patched up as possible.
0: Well said, and just as a reminder, or for folks tuning in for the first time, the hoodie rating is um, from zero to ten and it's just essentially you know how bad just playing off of you know theoretical hacker or defender because all of us of course wear hoodies um and 10 it takes 10 hoodies to troubleshoot remediate resolve a really really large issue and zero hoodies is it's not so bad kind of neutral so that's that's what chad's eight is representing pretty high and then tim what would you rate this at
1: well uh not to be boring here but i i I was already kind of thinking a lot of the same things Chad was because like, this seems like a story that is definitely far from over and, um, RCE is always a bad thing. So, um, I'll go, I'll kind of split the difference between his eight now, 10 later and say nine. Uh, but depending on how it's exploited, yeah, it, it, could easily go to 10. Um, yeah, this is this is one of the worst vulnerability-based stories that I think we've seen in at least a, a couple months.
0: Well, it only seems natural that we've discussed something that's quite concerning. We've had a few like uplifting weeks in a row, and we're just about to destroy that streak. <laughs> and we're going to break our rule. We were on, I can't remember, I wonder what the streak was. Maybe three weeks, um, Tim. I don't know if that you have this off the top of your head, where we did not discuss the R word, which the is dreaded right.
1: R word, right? The dreaded R. I should. Have uh, said that it out feels. Loud. That sounds I'm about confident. right. Like yeah. Like three three weeks or so, or three it's episodes sad that anyway. That's
0: a, a good streak. <laughs> but here it we... <laughs> really
1: is. You know, we we should once we're back in the office, we'll have. I think we already talked about this. Actually, one of those big signs that has the replaceable yeah. numbers. It has been this many days since we did a story on ransomware.
0: Yep, exactly. I have, you'll see this on Twitter when this episode goes out. I already have my Daryl from the office, zero days since our last ransomware incident, um, ready to be published on social to promote this very thing. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, but um, this next article is titled, No More Synax." Um, which stands for something? Chad educated me on this right before the podcast started. Uh, I was hoping they were just cynical, um, but that's not the that's not the case. And before I jump in, Tim, do you know what this is standing for? This sin and ACK?
1: Uh yeah. I mean, this is part of the uh, uh, TCP protocol, like uh, a client-server handshake, um, and. Yeah, you start off with sin, which is about synchronizing, and ack is about acknowledging. And so, if you look in packet captures and stuff, you'll see you'll see these trade offs of sins and acts going back and forth. That's lovely. Bill a Cat from Bloom County was way ahead of his time in saying ack all the time.
0: Do you think there's something we could learn about how we communicate with one another from how protocols are <laughs> that sounded really nice the way you describe sin and act.
1: Well that's that's true. They they're it's very yeah, they're pretty uh um pretty well uh disciplined about that.
0: Indeed, indeed.
1: It's true. We could learn something as humans. But there's also some redundancy kind of in it. So it would be like we meet and I say hi and you say hi and I say hi, hi, received your hi and you say received your receipt of my hi. And, you know, so, I mean, we'd be really sure that we had heard each other say hi. There would be, there'd be no, no doubt about that. That's
0: true. That's true. There's some efficiency. We tend
1: to really sort of talk. Yeah. I mean, we mostly talk UDP in the world, right? We just sort of, we say stuff and. The person may or may not reply back and they may not reply correctly back and we just keep saying stuff.
0: <laughs> that explains so much.
1: <laughs> but you know, you know, certain people like air traffic controllers, they're TCP. They 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 act, they sin and act each other all the time, even if they don't actually use those words.
0: Surely you can't be serious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Got the vector, Victor? <laughs>
0: Oh, gosh. All right. So, this ransomware group, as you might imagine, which, as we've talked about, CINAC, uh for a bit here. So, the Synac ransomware gang released the master decryption keys for their operation after rebranding as the new El Comada or El Comida. Is it El Comida, do you think?
1: Uh, or Cometa? Yeah. It means the comet.
0: Oh, that's, yeah. There's that's a that's a heavy-handed choice there. All right. Um so Tim, could you give us a download on this ransomware gang and what they're known for historically? You know, who are their typical victims, any targeted geos in particular?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that stood out to me in in researching this a little bit, because honestly, I wasn't familiar with this group before we uh got familiar with this story. And they're in a way sort of known for not being known for a whole lot so they haven't been one of the more active groups that's out there and who knows why that is you know maybe it's cuz their previous branding was just not good enough and uh, you know n- now that they now that they're going with this new name um it could be entirely different um so we'll see about that. But um but yeah, they they uh haven't been super active. They were first seen in twenty seventeen. Um they got a little bit active in twenty uh eighteen. That was kind of when they had the most stuff going on, and then things sort of quieted back down again for them.
0: Until um, it sounds like maybe July. And-
1: Oh sorry, go ahead Tim. Yeah, yeah, until until July. Um so and they they were doing the uh the affiliate model but as we'll see a little later not not super actively. Uh so, you know, they got they weren't doing a whole lot and they got uh not that many other people involved in not doing a whole lot relative to other ransomware groups. Obviously, if you happen to get stung by these people then it's just as bad as uh most of the other ones, at least until now. But um, but yeah, in they they're not running with the big dogs so far.
0: That's maybe one of the sadder things you could say about a ransomware gang. Nobody wanted to be affiliated with them. That's tough.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a bad day in in, uh, cyberspace.
0: That's deep. That's cuts deep. Uh, But I cut you off in the middle of your very important thoughts here on the group uh, but it does sound like something kicked up in July. Is that true for for these folks?
1: Yeah, so they, you know, they had their their branding consultant, and they decided to go with this new name. It, I'm sure, it tested really well with the focus groups, um, and so they went away from that Synac branding, and uh, they closed the. Synac chapter of their sordid little existence. And they have now uh, they're now El Cometa, the comet. So they're hoping to streak across the skies uh, of the of the cyber world of crime space, as it were. Of
0: crime space. (laughs) And outside of this rebrand and doing the what is it? The Pepsi challenge of ransomware gang naming conventions. um, What else have they been up to?
1: Oh wow, you mentioned the Pepsi challenge. So just quick uh, diversion here, the you know, they when they did the Pepsi challenge, this was like in the 70s maybe into the early 80s. Uh they would they would set up the thing and and of course it was Coke and Pepsi. There's no other cola that they were going to challenge you against and uh, they would give you a little taste of each and they would give you a saltine in between uh, to kind of cleanse the palate and uh, I knew a guy who took the Pepsi challenge and when they asked which one he liked best he said the saltine and I think they probably kicked him hard and made him go away <laughs> But anyway, now that we're back in 2021, uh, besides the rebranding, the consultant that they had must have run their numbers and figured out there weren't enough outstanding ransom demands uh, or something like that. Um, Or maybe, I don't know, they were going to be too busy ordering all their new trade show swag and whatnot with the El Camino branding to get around to collecting ransoms that maybe victims were trying to pay. I don't know. But anyway, they just decided to hand over the decryption keys, which they did. Uh, they handed them over to the folks at The Record, which is a uh, a really good InfoSec news site. Some of you are probably familiar with run by Recorded Future.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Tim, you're, you know, diving into the the Pepsi challenge. Also reminds me of one of my favorite birthday cards I've ever seen. Where I don't know if this was for a birthday or just was a random card, but the picture on the inside, some there was a like a Pepsi executive and um having some sort of unfortunate conversation where they were letting someone go and they said, I'm sorry you can't work here anymore. We found traces of coke in your system. And happy oh, birthday! Yeah. I why that was a birthday card. <laughs>
1: That's that's a pretty random birthday card. But in my family we have a tradition of buying cards that have nothing to do with the actual occasion and then writing, you know, so so I just got a birthday card for my kids that was like a sympathy card. Huh? Uh, <laughs> some, something about, you know, I know you're going through a lot of stress. The schmaltzier the better. That's uh hilarious. in our in our case with these cards. That's yeah.
0: brilliant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, back to the ransomware group here. It,
1: it makes it quicker, by the way, because you could just go into the store. You know, there are so many cards. I mean, there's 60,000 cards, you know, in the, in the aisle. And you can just go in there and just kind of grab the first one that you see. Um, because, because, yeah, you're doing the out-of-context card thing. It, it just makes that whole process a lot quicker. So this life hack brought to you by uh, Breaking Badness.
0: <laughs> so you have more time to handle the ransomware. So you get a few extra uh, minutes of shut-eye. When you're picking out your correct cards. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I'm curious if this what we're referring to here of handing over the decryption keys, if this is typical for ransomware gangs and what does it mean? And how can we even be sure the keys that they send over to the folks that record a feature in the record are, you know, legitimate?
1: Sure. Yeah. All good questions. And uh, well, as you would assume, it's not that common for them to hand out the decryption keys because you know, otherwise, there wouldn't be a whole lot of point to the whole thing. But we have definitely seen this happen previously. And um, it did often coincide with some kind of rebranding. And some examples of this are um, groups that a lot of our listeners will have heard of, including Avaddon and Tesla Crypt and Crisis, AESNI, Shade, Files Locker, Ziggy and Phonics Locker. Uh, that's all according to Bleeping Computer. And as for the keys uh which Synax slash El Cameta released, they do seem to be authentic and uh and they work. Um researcher Michael Gillespie or on Twitter demonslay three three five tested and verified this. Um now, at the record uh, where they receive these keys, they're not just going to hand them out as is because it's possible if you don't know what you're doing technically, uh, you could actually make things worse by misimplementing these. So, Emisoft is working on a utility uh, that will be easy for anybody to use and they'll make that available as soon as it's ready and then folks who are locked up by, uh, by this encryption can be freed.
0: And the final question I have for you is what does this mean for the RAS or Ransomware as a service and just generally the ransomware industry at large?
1: Yeah, I was kind of struggling to, to see what, you know, what this really means in the grand scheme of things. I don't see anything that's super innovative about this or that, you know, seems like a really, um, uh, worrisome portent, um, You know, El Cameda is going to try to recruit more affiliates. They, in their SYNAC days, they had exactly two, uh, according to this reporting. So, you know, maybe that was because their branding wasn't good enough. I don't know. But it seems like it's another day, another corporate rebranding for an outfit that may or may not ultimately be a big player. This just happens to be in crime space. Good old crime space. Well,
0: Tim, thank you for your in-depth walkthrough, especially um, giving us a visual as to what the rebranding looked like and felt like um, for the folks over there at Synac. Chad, what would you rate this at after hearing Tim's thoughts?
2: Um, you know, I think this is a really interesting trend where uh, groups are doing this rebranding um, and then releasing decryption keys. This has happened a couple times now. And there was recently a uh, Revol decryption key um what do you call it like tool that was released that ended up being malicious i think so it's something that can also be taken advantage of there but um i think you know as far as rating this uh i'd say five out of ten i think this rebranding i well as far as hoodies go you know is badness um you know another ransomware group remains maybe three out of ten because they're not that sophisticated but uh i well, sophisticated I don't know where to describe any uh computer attacks but uh but you know uh yeah they, they're still around but as far as the rebranding goes i think it's a dumb name um if they want to ask me for some marketing advice um, i think they could really improve so yeah that's me
0: <laughs> tim what do you think
1: Chad obviously is not the consultant that they were, uh, are working with for this. So, you know, we'll see what that person's track record ultimately winds up being. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll go along with the same number three. Um, there's nothing that seems super scary about this. You know, we'll see. Maybe somehow along with the rebrand, they're going to, uh, unleash some really, hyper scary variant uh, into the world. Um, But I doubt it. If that happens, we'll give that a different rating. But yeah, I'll go put me down for three also.
0: Good old tree and tree. All right. Well, thank you both for your analysis here. I think it's time we we get into the tomfoolery section, which is, of course, our game Two Truce and a Lie. Does that sound good to you both?
1: Tomfoolery always sounds good to me, or Timfoolery, I I do sometimes, yeah.
0: (laughs) Shenanigans, malarkey. (laughs) Alrighty, well, as a quick reminder, um, this is not unlike the game Two Truths and a Lie, but rather than talking about ourselves, we are, one of us each week, this week it, it is myself, comes up with three article titles, two of which are true and one is a lie. And so Chad and Tim will be attempting to decipher which is the lie. And of course, there's a point system um, that is counted in binary. And with that, are you ready for me to read the articles?
1: Well, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. But actually, no, I'm less ready than I'll ever be because, you know, I I think I'm, I feel a little less in touch with the latest stuff that's happened. Uh, So it's really going to be pure luck if I get it right this time.
0: Tim Helming is a two truths and a lie shark. He's been, he's been reading up right before this for hours, just waiting to destroy me at this game. That's my belief. That's my prediction. We'll see if that turns out to be a true or a lie. (laughs) All right, here we go. What the hack hacker behind biggest ever cryptocurrency heist. Has a change of heart and returns the loot. Next up, Adobe unclouds their judgment and fixes critical pre-authorization vulnerabilities in Magneto. And finally, Lockbit Ransomware gives us something to Crytek about. Crytek confirms LockBit Ransomware Attack and Customer Data Theft.
1: Wow. Hmm, I'm trying to make a critical joke and not be too critical about that story or something. Well, I don't think I... Uh, I think I. some of this sounds a little bit familiar. Uh, what was the first one again? Was the first one the change of heart?
0: Yes, over and the, the re- returning of the cryptocurrency yeah. heist ever.
1: Hmm. I'm I'm just gonna take a wild stab. I'm I'm gonna go right down the middle and say two is a lie.
0: Chad, your thoughts?
2: I I've been paying attention to Lockbit 2.0, and I I don't remember seeing the Crytek story, but then again i'm also just flooded with ransomware crap all the time but i am just gonna trust my gut and i think i would have noticed and go with number three is the lie
0: well chad you are correct that is the lie it was in mm. fact egregor,
2: E-Gregor.
0: a ransomwared lock um cry tech
2: wow lock, uh, lock bit. Still that around. would be interesting
0: um, they need a rebranding. So they, there you go. Are you? Are we sure that Egregor is not formally known as Lockbit? The artist formerly known as Lockbit, <laughs> more particular.
2: E. Gregor is from. Uh, what were they before? Um, Segment. Yeah. Segment. They're the spiritual successor to Maze Ransomware. Um, yeah, that is correct.
1: You know, as if there weren't enough of them out there to keep track of then they keep they keep changing and rebranding maybe that's part of the strategy they're trying to throw everybody off by just you know changing changing it up all the time
2: if anyone from the maze gang is listening though i'm willing to do a consulting for your rebranding um you know feel free to give me a ring or on twitter you know just reach out i've got lots (laughs) of like really fun names uh, Slide you know, into his DMs. I would love to read in the news more so than you know. Whatever, like Doppel boring. Conti, boring. <laughs> you know, I could really, I could really come through with a with a good heater of a pun. You know that every time you read in the news, you kind of aren't even mad actually if they uh, get into your network because you're like, that's funny, but uh, I can take care of it.
0: That just makes me think of Parks and Rec, where it's there's this group called like the Rationalists or something like that. And they meet up every year, and supposedly some snake lizard is going to come and destroy the earth. But they call themselves something like the Rationalists. So it'd be really hard to argue with them Mm. because it's in the name. It's hard to argue when it sounds like they're called the Rationalists. it's very rational. Anyway, yeah. I'm
1: still thinking about snake lizards.
0: <laughs>
1: Great
2: ransomware gang name.
0: <laughs> snake lizards. This um, one's I, got legs. I, I want to... This one's got legs. Oh, yeah. So the... Um, the no, is the Reasonableists. And they were derogatorily known as Zorpies in Parks and Rec. They follow Zorp the Surveyor, whom they believe will destroy the world um yeah a surveyor a surveyor
1: like like somebody with a little uh telescope on a tripod is gonna <laughs> yeah. come and, and destroy the world wow well, who knew
0: yeah it was quite funny they would all come together and played um wooden flutes together to 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 signify the end of the world I,
1: I feel like did i just take mushrooms or something this is just getting weird
0: Oh, this my is ti- just My timeline comedy. just changed. <laughs> this, these, these are always like hilarious Easter eggs that comedians, or that the writers put in these comedies, I should say. Their holy texts are Organize It, An Assuming Business Organization's Guide, and Organize It Too, Engage with Zorp, which explores the theory of a 28-foot-tall lizard with a volcano for a mouth who controls the universe. <laughs> How tall <laughs> I believe it's um twenty eight feet
1: that's that seems like a pretty small volcano
0: <laughs> fair I
1: thing. mean just thinking about you know the pr- proportions of your typical uh uh supernatural lizard god
0: yeah i mean there's there's a whole guide on that, right? you could just look that up like I'd, yeah that would be uh small lizard mouth for a volcano no question (laughs) oh man that show was taken off netflix at a horrible time i'll just say it's what the it's what the world needed and it was taken away from us all um but i highly recommend watching that show for a good laugh anyway um i threw in an easter egg for what's going to be a special episode here in the coming weeks and I'm actually not going to give it away like I always do I always let it slip who our next special guest will be but I'm not going to do that this time but if you listen carefully you might catch it
1: I think everybody who listens to Breaking Badness listens carefully we have the best listeners right Tom Hanks sorry what
2: were you guys saying (laughs)
0: Oh too good well we hope you'll tune back in next week for a potentially exciting episode but in the meantime just steer clear of those 28 foot lizards you never know what they might bring with their volcano mouths or ransomware
1: i mean i think i have a volcano mouth first thing in the morning pretty often <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know that's the one part of COVID i feel like it's very rare to find somebody with bad breath these days because nothing like having to smell your own breath all day. It's,
1: it's pretty rare to find anybody these days. That's,
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you, Tim and Chad, per usual, for a great episode. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Breaking Badness. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye now. Just a moment.
2: Accounts payable speaking.
0: Just a moment. <laughs> Just a moment. <laughs> That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at domaintools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com/resources/podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.